0: You are listening to the 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together, we study God's Word for 1% of our day, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that He's given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York, studying with you through the Gospel of John. and. I can hardly believe it. We are in John chapter 18 today. Feels like just yesterday we were getting started and we are in the final days of Jesus's ministry. And we are finally here uh, at the point where Jesus gets arrested in the garden. And it is a emotional ride from this part forward. I mean, it has been so far, but when you really start to digest what our Lord and Savior went through, it is very, very powerful. Uh, When you begin to know some of the injustices that were going on and how even his arrest and his trial, they were completely against Jewish law, it's uh, really staggering. But we serve a God that would go through that, would Uh, submit himself to injustice so that we can be saved. And if you think about the concept of justice altogether, if we were to get what we deserved, we would never have the opportunity to be with God. The wages of our sin is death. Yet Jesus came here and allowed himself to be mistreated on our behalf to pay a price that we could never pay. And, uh, we're going to jump in and continue from this point on, and uh, I want to invite you uh, to check us out at SOH.Church to download our free mobile app. Just go anywhere where you get your, your apps, whether it's uh, Android or Apple Store. Uh, You can go to soh.church. Like I said, you can learn more about Sound of Heaven there, and by all means, come out and visit us, or at least watch us online. We've got our live stream going uh, with all of our services throughout the week. And if you're listening anywhere where you can find podcasts, uh, give a like, give a share, subscribe. Check off your notifications so you don't miss anything. I announced yesterday that we are going to be continuing the 1% Christian beyond the Gospel of John. So more uh, details about that on the way. And we are ready to get started. I've got butterflies with this one. I got to be honest with you. Let's just jump. Actually, before we jump right in, I I just want to remind yesterday what we studied. We studied Jesus praying not only praying for himself, but praying for his disciples. And then praying for everyone else who would follow thereafter. And all of that includes me and, and for you. But here we are, Jesus in the garden. He prays, and then he gets up to leave. And it says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. Now, interestingly enough, the Kidron Valley was a small stream that, that uh, drained from the temple itself, and Charles Spurgeon notes that particularly around this time of year, Jesus and the disciples would be walking through the valley and past the stream, and coming from the drainage of the temple would be the blood of the lambs that were slain. So I I just want you to imagine this because this is a really important opportunity to really take in and absorb what Jesus went through. He is walking away from the garden where he's praying and petitioning. He's praying and petitioning for the disciples and for us. And in the stream is the blood of the lambs that were slain, the temporary fixes, the temple sacrifices, which he was there to ultimately replace on the other side there was a garden and he was he and his disciples went to, into it now judas who betrayed him knew the place because jesus had often met there with his disciples so judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the pharisees they were carrying torches lanterns and weapons so this detachment of Temple soldiers were out there with torches, with lanterns, with weapons, probably assuming that they were in for a fight with the lanterns expecting Jesus to be hiding. And he was neither ready to fight or I should say wanting to fight because he could have done anything that he wanted to do. Nor was he hiding, and that is for sure. And Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? So Jesus confronts, he's the first, he makes the first move and he confronts and he asks the question, who is it that you want? But he knows. Again, anytime Jesus asks a question, anytime God asks a question, he knows the answer to it already. He just wants us to answer. He wants us to search our heart and come up with the answer. And they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with him. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Some people think that the actual power of the statement knocked them down. That's what some of the consensus is. Again, he asked, who is it that you want? Asking this question, knowing the answer, and they reply again, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me then let these men go. Verse 9, it says, this happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one that you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, Peter, seemingly heroic here, history might say something different, it's been written that to actually strike off his right ear, Peter must have attacked from behind. I don't know how true that is, but uh, I'm reading that in some of the commentaries. And the fact that John, the writer of the gospel, knew Malchus's name was proof of one or two things, or maybe both. It's thought that John had an in with the chief priest. In other words, his family knew The chief priest's family. And if Malchus was the servant of the chief priest, then that would make sense. It's also part of tradition, perhaps, that Malchus had become a Christian at some point in the future. And we see Peter strikes the ear of this servant. It's also interesting that he's not a soldier. So Peter decides to attack a non-soldier here, which may have had different ramifications as if he had attacked a soldier. And in Luke 22, we see Jesus actually heals the ear of Malchus and this detachment of people. And and it's the term detachment in the context of the, that army was like hundreds of men. Now, I don't know. I don't personally... I don't see how that could be if Peter then strikes and then Peter doesn't get arrested here. Only Jesus gets arrested. But let's keep reading. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? To drink the cup, that is a term that means the judgment or or to face the wrath, so to speak. Drink the cup means take on the responsibility. And Jesus doesn't applaud Peter here. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. And Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. And that was unexpected prophecy that Jesus would die for all the people, not in the way he imagined. In verse 15, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. So we know here that this was Peter and John had followed Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest talking about John. He went with Jesus into the high priest's court, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and the officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. So here we see Peter. He finally gets in. John gets him in, right? And that's another way that we know that John probably had an in. They weren't persecuting him. They let him in right off the bat. and He was able to get Peter in there as well. But Peter does what he said he wouldn't do. And he denies Jesus for the first time. Meanwhile, verse 19, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. And again, Jesus being even arrested at night was illegal according to Jewish law. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? if I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what it is. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of those disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. And one of the high priest's servants a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So Jesus now in the hands of, I would say his enemies, but Jesus didn't have any enemies. Jesus has said, multiple times. Although he insulted them, although in other gospels we see he called them a brood of vipers, although he flipped over the tables. He also prayed for them. He also said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, which is one of the things he said on the cross. We'll get to that point. But we see a great injustice happening to Jesus. And he doesn't complain. He doesn't Relent. It reminds me of the words back in John 13, I'm sorry, John 12, when he goes through on what we call Palm Sunday, and he's worshipped by the people, but worshipped for the wrong reasons. And he says that it's time for the Son of Man to be glorified, and he distinguishes being glorified from what he just experienced, a crowd laying things at his feet, treating him like a king, and what he really meant to be glorified. He says in this parable, he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a seed. And he's talking about it being necessary for him to die. And then he says, and also in John 12, he says, I am troubled, but what am I going to say to the father? Save me. I have come for an hour like this." Jesus knew what his mission was on this earth. And injustice, whether things were fair or not, we know they weren't fair. Wasn't going to stop him from doing what he did. And we're at our 1% now. And trying to come up with a message out of here. Sometimes we just got to read this and just look at this and say, look at what our God did for us. Look at what he endured on our behalf. And still, sometimes we turn our backs on him, just like Peter did. When things get tough, we deny him. And I'm not saying that to make us feel bad. I'm saying that to just point out that he would do it anyway. That we don't surprise God when we make mistakes. We don't surprise God even in our moments of denial. And his grace is enough to forgive us. And we know the rest of the story. We know Peter was forgiven, but he did it. He denied him three times. He had the best of intentions. And we go back to Judas and Peter being both in the same chapter. Judas, who had bad intentions. And he followed through on those. Peter, who had the best intentions and still fell. And Jesus loved them both. And he loves us in our mess, in our Judas times, in our Peter times. And I'm just grateful that when it got tough, that our God didn't give up. And that is the motivation for us. When it gets tough, we don't give up. So let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, words can't truly express how grateful we are for doing what you did for enduring the injustices, for enduring the humiliation, Lord God, for dying for us, for resurrecting for us, Lord God. As we go into these final chapters, Father, help us to really fully realize more than ever before the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And not just that you died for us, but that it is the absolute reflection of how much you love us. Let us go into today feeling loved Feeling worth it in your eyes to be arrested, to die for, to raise for, in Jesus' mighty name. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out at SOH.Church. And tomorrow we're going to continue with the remainder of John chapter 18. I love you guys.